Hello, and welcome to the Divorce Woman's Guide podcast, where we talk about the things us divorcees are thinking, but not always talking about, as we turn our divorce into the best gift you've ever been given. And I do so with a little bit of sass and a whole lot of class. I am your host, Wendy Sterling, founder of The Divorce Rehab. I am here to support you in this transition phase of your life so you can start your new best chapter on your own terms. After all, that's what I did after my own divorce. And now it is my mission to change the conversation around divorce and help you see why your divorce, like mine, was the best gift you ever received. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Divorced Woman's Guide podcast. How are you doing today? Please don't forget to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode, especially today's, because I am incredibly honored and humbled to be joined by, in my opinion, the infamous Karen Covey. Hello, Karen. How are you? Oh, I am good. Thank you for that. I'm speechless. Uh, Well, it's the truth. I have been following you for quite some time and have learned a great deal from you and follow your work. And I'm very much looking forward to our conversation today where Karen is going to share with you guys the biggest mistakes that she has seen divorced people make. And I'm going to share more about Karen with you to understand why what she is going to share today is really interesting and important because she has many perspectives around what those mistakes are. So Karen is a divorce coach, a recovering attorney. She's also a mediator, an arbitrator, and a collaborative divorce professional. Karen is the author of When Happily Ever After Ends, How to Survive Your Divorce, emotionally, financially, and legally. And she's also the creator of the Divorce Roadmap 2.0, which is an online program that educates and empowers those facing divorce and enables them to save time, money, and heartache in their divorce. Karen has been working as a divorce professional for over 25 years. She's been featured on the Channel 7 News, WCIU, You and Me This Morning, WGN Radio, Market Watch, and has been on numerous other websites, radio shows, and podcasts across the United States. You can find her articles on The Huff Post, Divorced Moms, Guy Wars, Women's Divorce, Divorced Girls Smiling, The Good Men Project, and Your Tango, as well as, as her own divorce blog. And she will share her website later so you guys know how you can get a hold of her. So Karen, welcome. I You've been doing this a very long time, and for you to still be in the midst of doing this type of work. Clearly, you have a passion for it, and there is inspiration that you find doing this work. So I would love for you to share how it is that you came into doing this work and what continues to inspire you every day to stay in this business. Well, I think you're going to be a little surprised at how I got into this because I was a little surprised. Okay. So (laughs) I got out of law school, went to work for a big firm, then left and went to work for the government for a few years. And then after that, decided to start my own practice. Right. So I said, you know, when I started my practice, I let everybody in the world that I ever knew, like my grandmother, my high school friend, anybody (laughs) that like I got this law office, right. Come, you know, come be my client. And I said to everybody, I will take any kind of case there is except divorce. (laughs) 
you got it. The infamous last words. (laughs) Yep. And finally, after client, after client, after client kept coming to me saying, Karen, do you know someone who does a divorce? Karen, can you help me with my divorce? I finally, I literally sat in my office one day, threw my hands in the air and went, okay, I'll do divorce. Like, I hear you universe. I hear you. (laughs) And I really haven't looked back since it turned out to be more than I could ever have expected because I went into the practice of law like so many of my colleagues because I really wanted to help people, right? And I found that in divorce, there is no better place you can go to help people who are really in need. And it, it the divorce touches so many areas of life and areas of the law that yeah. every day was different. It was It was never boring. So that is for sure, because as we always say, there is never, there are never the same cases, right? While the emotion stays the same, you know, everybody's divorce story is wildly different because there's so many different nuances that come with it. And, but yet at the same time, along the way, there are so many different, I, I sometimes call it kind of like the choose your own adventure, right? It's like, if you like, so you come to this, this crossroads, right. And you have choice a, or you have choice B, which path are you going to choose? And it's like, you only have one shot, right? You have one shot at this. And so you've got to make sure that you are in a place of making very rational decisions and making the right choice. And we don't always do that because divorce involves quite a lot of emotion. It's not just a legal process. It is an emotional one as well. So I'd love to dive into, you know, and and maybe we first kind of talk a little bit about the importance of, right, having that tribe around you because you you check a lot of those, those tribe boxes, even yourself. And I think that you can also speak to an unbiased perspective, right, around the role that having emotional support, legal support, financial support has in, in the divorce. Absolutely. And actually, that is one of the mistakes that people make going through a divorce is not realizing this is not a solo activity. Nobody should go through a divorce alone. I don't care if you are a divorce lawyer, you still need support. You still need help because what, to your point, what most people don't realize unless they've gone through a divorce before is that during a divorce, you are going to have to make more major life decisions in a relatively short period of time than you will at any other similar time period in your entire life. And those decisions will have ramifications for the rest of your life, right? So if your head is not in the game, you're not going to do well. And that means that you need to have a therapist first and foremost, because you need someone to talk to. You know, you need to be able to talk about your emotions to someone, not your attorney, because you're, that's, that's not what they do. They don't want to hear it. And they're going to charge you a ton of money to do what a therapist does, but they're going to do it badly. So you really need a therapist, number one. You need the rest of your team. You do need a lawyer. Now, there are a lot of ways to get divorced in today's world that doesn't involve what I call the Cadillac of legal legal services, where you hire a lawyer that represents you 100% throughout everything. You have a lot of different choices and a lot of different ways to go through the process, but you still need legal advice. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you think you don't have or how you, you've got this. You need legal advice, right? Or you won't know what you're doing. And you need financial advice, or you're more likely to make 
uninformed financial decisions, which don't tend to be very good. So you need that whole team around you. And if you can get a support group too, that's even better. So you need a team to go through a divorce and trying to go through it alone is not going to work out well, I promise. Yeah. And so many times, you know, I always say that the role I love to play, right, is to help my clients to get their mindset in a rational place to be making these types of decisions. Divorce is a marathon. It is not a sprint, you know, and I, and I'm sure you hear this a lot from your clients and I hear it from mine too, where I just want to be done. Like, I just can't wait for this to be over. I can't wait for it to be done. So, so what's another mistake that people make, even in that mindset of, I just want to be done that, you know, they're, they're not thinking of in this moment because they're just, they're, they're focused on the end result. You just said it that I couldn't have said it better myself. It's because there's there's a life cycle in divorce. There's a timeline. There's a rhythm to it, if you will, which sounds bizarre, but I've done this for so many years. I can tell you there's an ebb and flow to the process. And what typically happens is that, well, first of all, everybody, the person who wanted the divorce wants to be done before they even start. The person who didn't know the divorce was coming They've got some catching up to do, right? But towards the end, by the time you get to the end of a divorce, which I, you know, is going to take longer than you ever dreamed, it's going to take longer and it's going to cost more, and that's just the way it is. By the time you get to that end time, everybody is sick of it. Everybody wants to be done. And the biggest mistake that people make is not realizing this is a marathon, not a sprint. And if you give up in the last leg of the race, you're still giving up. So people, what they do is they're so tired of everything. They just say, fine, give the other person whatever they want. I don't care. And that's a mistake. So like they've done really, they could do really well all the way up to that point. But if at the, at the last minute you cave in just to be done, that's when you make mistakes later on that six months later, you go, what was I thinking? Right. And I'm not saying that you want to dig your heels in and not compromise. That's not it at all. But you've got to know going in where your boundaries are, what you're willing to accept, what you're not willing to accept, where your you know, wiggle room is, what you're willing to give in on, or where you could compromise. But if you don't know going in, what are your deal breakers? What really matters to you? And you just cave at the last minute because you want to be done. That's when you're going to make a deal you regret. Yeah. And I, you know, that was probably one of my biggest lessons was, you know, and I remember my lawyer, she kept telling me, she's like, you know, why don't you, and she was a great lawyer. And I know not every attorney does this necessarily. And I don't mean that disrespectfully to the, you know, attorney, you know, attorneys out there, but she always kept telling me like, cause I would have a gut reaction and she would come to me and go, you know, why don't you maybe just take like a day, like just take a day and think about this because, you know, you're emotional right now. Or she's like, I just want you to think through the different perspectives and, you know, and my attorney, again, like she was, amazing. And yes, I used her a little bit as a life coach and as a therapist until I got my own individual ones. But, you know, it's those types of conversations that I don't think a lot of people understand 
are necessary and part of this process that your attorneys do not, right? It's not their responsibility to tell you to take a day, right? Maybe they do, maybe they don't. And it's important for you guys to not make these mistakes along the way because it's going to cost you so much more money to have to change things later, right? Well, not only that, but some things you can't change later. Like when you're done, you're done, that's it. And I've had people come to me you know, a month, three months, six months after the fact and say, you know, I, I wasn't thinking clearly. I was in a fog. I didn't know what I did. Can I renegotiate? And I'm like, mm, no, no, you can't. I mean, certain things, yes, with respect to children, things like child support, if a situation changes, if a job changes, if, you know, yes, there's room for negotiating or renegotiating that, but your property division is your property division. And if you made a bad deal, that's on you. Yeah. And I, and I hear that a lot too, right. Where, you know, sometimes one party will offer, you know, oh, you take the house or you take this and then I'll take the savings account. And people don't always also think about tax implications, right. Where you're actually getting the shorter end of the stick. So what are some other mistakes that you can highlight for people that you see them make frequently? Other mistakes again. You you are just like handing me everything. I love this. I teeing you so, up. <laughs> you you are totally teeing me up. Fabulous. Um, and one of the another big mistake is not understanding the financial implications of the settlement that you are going to make. That's why I say to people, you know, even if it seems like your situation is fairly simple, it doesn't hurt to spend an hour and talk with a financial advisor who can say, here's the tax implications of this and this and this and this. Now. A lot of lawyers, most lawyers can tell you that too, up to some level, but the financial advisor can go deeper with you and can crunch numbers for you and say, if you take the house, I mean, given the appreciation that you're going to get and the blah, 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 here's the tax implication if you go to seller, when you go to seller, even right now. And here's the tax implication if you take the retirement account or the savings account. They can explain to people all the ins and outs of what your settlement, your financial settlement is going to be like in reality, not just what it looks like on paper. Because I've seen people make deals that they look on paper like they're 50-50, but when you actually go to cash in the dollars, they are so not 50-50 and that's too bad, so sad. you know. And another a big mistake I see people make, and it tends to be women, is they want to keep the house. without understanding whether they can afford the house or not. And I totally get it. You know, when you, if you're in a house and you've got kids who are in school, you want to stay in that house. You want stability for your kids. You want to keep them in the same school system. You want stability for yourself. Everything else is changing. You don't want to have to change neighborhoods, change house, blah, blah, blah. Totally get it. But if you can't afford that house, and if every day from the day of your divorce forward, you're going to be house poor and struggling, that is not where you want to be. I I guarantee you that will put you not only in a worse financial situation, but in a worse emotional situation because you are going to have anxiety over the fact that you can't pay the bills. And now you've got to sell your house under duress. Under you know maybe a mortgage and maybe a foreclosure maybe a short sale maybe who knows what you know a sale that you weren't planning on selling when you weren't planning on selling that's a tremendous stress on you and it doesn't do any favors for your kids in the long run either so if you can't afford the house 
the best thing you can do is suck it up and deal with it in the moment rather than kicking the can down the road. Yeah. And I hear so many people say, but, you know, the kids need it for stability. And this has been their home since they were babies. And, you know, I always tell my clients that home is where mom is, right? Home is where dad is. Home is like your heart, right? It's, this is a physical structure that you're living in. It's been a physical structure. And, you know, I always tell my clients too, that like, you know, my kids now have two homes, right? They've got my home, they have their dad's home. And they now see the the beauty in getting to decorate, right? To redecorate and to, you know, have two different rooms at two different homes. And that's kind of cool because they get double the this and the double the that, right? And while I know that emotionally it can be really traumatic and, and it's hard to walk away from the memories. And, you know, I even have a client right now who's in that place of like, I should have kept my house. I should have kept my house. And then we go through all the reasons why it wasn't a good idea. And, you know, she comes back to, oh yeah, I forgot, but you know, I miss it. And I always say, well, how can you recreate it? Because it's a feeling, it's not the structure, right? It's the feeling, it's the memories, it's the warmth, it's the, you know, I don't know, the smell of chocolate chip cookies baking, right? That you, it's those scents, right? That, that make a home a home. Absolutely. But, you know, people, a lot of it, it goes back to something we touched on already, which is mindset. Okay. Whether you have to sell your house or not, I mean, I know it's a very emotional decision, but if you can strip the, the emotions out of it, it's not good or bad. It just is. You either sell your house or you don't sell your house. You have to leave or you don't, right? And how you take it and how you feel about it emotionally, you know, that, you know, you can sell it and feel bad emotionally, you can keep it and feel bad emotionally, right? The the control of the emotion comes from inside of you, not from the structure of the house. And you can, you know, lots of people say, but all of my memories are here. And what they don't think about is, yeah, all of your memories are there. Do you want to every single day be reminded of your ex? Do you want to be reminded of the fact that you're not together? I mean, sometimes that can be more painful than finding a new place and starting in a new spot right? So it can cut both ways. Yeah. I love that you're talking about perspective, right? I think that we, you know, we see so narrowly, right? We see with those blinders on instead of, you know, pushing them aside and seeing that there's all these different perspectives that you can have about, you know, people say that too, about starting over, right? There's this negative connotation with starting over. And yet, I think it's the most fabulous gift I was able to do. I didn't understand how cool it was going to be to be able to start over and to do so without having to ask permission. And I think that a lot of times we we lead from that lens of fear and that tends to cause a lot of the errors and the mistakes that we find ourselves making many times unintentionally in the process. So what other what other mistakes do people subconsciously make that, you know, you're like waving the flags and going, "Wait, no, don't do this." <laughs> One of the biggest well there's there's two big big mistakes that I see people making. Yes. The first one is choosing their lawyer before they choose how they want to go through the process. Because there are a lot of different ways to get divorced now these days. There's mediation, there's collaborative divorce, there's litigation, there's cooperative divorce or litigation light, whatever you want to call it. There's a lot of different ways to go through the divorce process. Most people, when they think, okay, I'm going to go through a divorce, the first thing they think is, I need a lawyer. And they find a lawyer. 
What they don't realize is that after they found the lawyer and they've hired that lawyer, they are not going to go through the divorce that they want. They're going to go through what that lawyer does. So the litigator is going to tell them, you know what? I will protect your rights. And the mediator is going to say, you know, yeah, we can resolve this. We can work it out. We can negotiate. The collaborative divorce professional is going to push that agenda. So what the client doesn't realize is that what the lawyer is telling them is not necessarily what's best for the client, but what the lawyer does so he can he or she can sign the, the client up and get their business. And so once you found the lawyer, like, and this happens in collaborative divorce a fair amount of the time where, you know, you say, I want a collaborative divorce, but you just signed a lawyer who is not collaboratively trained and they don't understand what collaborative divorce is and they will not participate in the process. Well, I can tell you, you can call your divorce process anything you want. It is not going to be a real collaborative divorce. So it's important to first do some research, educate yourself. Do a little bit of legwork, get a coach to help educate you, but do what it takes to say, okay, here's the different ways I can do this. Which way do I want to do it? And then find lawyers who specialize in that because every divorce is different. And what works for some people isn't going to work for somebody else. I mean, I'm a big proponent, as you know, of mediation and collaborative divorce and staying out of court. But I will tell you straight up, there are some circumstances, some cases, you got to fight. That's pretty much your only option. When your spouse lawyers up, if you're divorcing a high conflict person, they're lawyered up, they serve you with papers. I'm sorry, you're going to court. And if you don't get a lawyer who can you know, stand up for you, you're not going to do well. You're just not. Yeah. And you brought something up that I just want to further dive into really fast before you go over the second one, which is, you know, let's say you make a choice that you're, you know, and I have clients in this situation too, where they're like, God, I just, I really just want to go through mediation. And sometimes they think that the mediator is enough of what they need, right? Both sides need, right? Because a mediator is supposed to stay neutral. So can you talk a little bit, there's two questions in this actually, talk about, you know, that it's important to still have an attorney, even if you are doing mediation, number one. And number two, what if you want mediation and the other person wants collaborative or litigation? How do you reconcile that before hiring an attorney? Those are great questions. So it starts by understanding what the different professional roles are. And understand that in most places, the the professionals are not going to cross roles, right? Right. So if you get a mediator, the mediator's job is to be neutral. Even if the mediator is a lawyer, he or she can't give you legal advice, can't give your spouse legal advice. They may be able to say the law in your state is X, Y, Z, but they can't tell you how the XYZ law applies to you or what you should or shouldn't do, right? Right. So for that, that's why you need a lawyer for your divorce because you need somebody who can advise you not only what it is, because knowing what it is isn't helpful if you don't know how to apply it to yourself. You need that extra, extra piece. And that's the role of a lawyer and a mediator. The minute they start, if they started giving you legal advice, their neutrality is blown. They can't mediate for you. 
And a lawyer, even if a lawyer is a mediator, once the lawyer has started giving you legal advice, they can't be the mediator in your case. So you've got to, you know, it really helps to understand the roles that everybody plays. And that way you can get the best of every world that you want once you understand that not, you're not expecting one person to do it all, right? Yes. And as far as what do you do if you want to mediate and your spouse wants to litigate or do collaborative divorce? Here's the deal. Litigation is the default way to go through a divorce everywhere, period, right? Old-fashioned way, the traditional way. And if all else fails, that's how you're going to get through the system. That's why they call everything that's not litigation an alternative dispute resolution system. So collaborative divorce, mediation, cooperative divorce, anything that keeps you out of court is an alternative dispute resolution system, right? And if you want any of those, you have to agree and your spouse has to agree. And if you don't both agree, it ain't happening. Now, there are places in the country where mediation is mandated, like there are laws. So they, you go, let's say you file a case in court, the judge will say, you guys got to go to mediation, especially about kid issues, because truthfully, the judges don't want to have to decide, do you see your kids on Tuesday or Wednesday? They don't know. They want nothing to do with that. What they want is the two of you to work it out. And if you can't, they'll make a decision, but they'll tell you straight up. It's like they don't live in your family. They don't know how things work, right? So, you know, the you've got to, you know, understand what what it is that you want and try to work it out. But let's say you're ordered to go to mediation. Okay, then what happens? Well, if your spouse is sitting there like this going, all right, I'll mediate, but I'm not saying anything. What did you accomplish, right? Your mediation might be 10 minutes. So you, you can fulfill the law, you can go to mediation, but that's not really helpful, right? So unless both people buy into whatever the alternative to court is, it's simply not going to work. You, you can't... It's like the old saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make make them drink. drink. Yeah. So what do people do in those situations, right? Because so many people probably bang their heads against the wall because either the other side doesn't respond or they're holding firm. Do the lawyers get involved to help resolve this and come to a place or does the, you know, is litigation just the winner in situations like that? I'll answer like a lawyer. Yes, please do. It depends. It depends. I knew you were going to say that too. (laughs) So how did I know you were going to say that? Occupational hazard. I know. Even though I'm a recovering lawyer. (laughs) I was going to say. (laughs) So, So here's how it works. You know, litigation, like I said, it's the default way, right? But here's what most people forget in the moment of anxiety of, oh my gosh, we're going to be fighting till you know, forever. 90 to 95% of all divorce cases will settle out of court. So now collaborative divorce is different because you kind of start it in the beginning and you go through it, the process until you resolve your case or somebody right. kicks it back into the court system. But mediation, you can do that at any time. So let's say your spouse, you know, is determined to litigate. So you start through that system, right? That doesn't mean that halfway through the middle, you can't say to him or her, hey, can't we just go to mediation? Can't we figure this out? This is costing a fortune. The kids are suffering. It's taking forever. This is stupid. Can't we just go to mediation? And if both of you agree, you can go. And settlement negotiations happen all the time. They happen on literally 
on the courthouse steps. Literally, I, I can't tell you how many cases as a lawyer I settled in the hallway outside the courtroom. And doing it that way, what you, what you need to realize is that's not optimal because you are going to pay your lawyer tens of thousands of dollars for all the trial prep that he or she did you know, to get you in court on the day of trial and have you say, okay, I give, we'll settle, right? right? You can do it much more efficiently if you do it sooner than that. But even if you're at, in, in trial, I've even seen cases that go all the way through the trial. And then at the end of the trial, before the judge has made a ruling, the people settle because they didn't like how the trial went or one person's nervous or the other one's saying, okay. So they, you can settle at any time, anytime you want. It's just easier to do if you do it sooner. Right. It's very interesting. Thank you for sharing that perspective. And I know I interrupted you. There was one other mistake that you wanted to talk through. So I'm going to tune you or like steer you back into that. Well, a big one is preparation. The more prepared you are, the better you're going to do, period, full stop. Now, that doesn't mean you'll just if, you know, I've seen people who have been really diligent and really prepared. That doesn't mean that you're going to get everything you want just because you're prepared. Life doesn't work that way and neither does divorce. However, you are going to give yourself the absolute best chance for getting what you want and ending up where you want to be if you're prepared going into it. And that means being prepared. If, if you're the one deciding to divorce, prepare yourself before you go through that. And I know it sounds cold and calculating, but it's just reality. The more prepared you are, the better you're going to do. So you want to get your documents in order, get your mindset in order, get your team put together before you start the divorce process. And if divorce wasn't your idea, then you want to get yourself prepared as fast as you possibly can, which goes back to what we were talking about before, about you got to get a therapist, you got to get your head in the game ASAP. And that sucks and it's not fair and it's not right, but it's life. You can either whine about it or you can deal with it. And if you don't deal with it, you're going to get run over. So it's about preparing for the divorce itself, preparing for your mediation. You don't, if you just walk in the door to a mediation, you say, okay, I'm here. Let's, let's talk. Let's go. <laughs> Wait, that's not going to go well. You've got to know in a mediation, what do you want? What does your spouse want? What are you willing to give up? What do you, you know, what are your deal breakers? What are you never willing to give up? What can you, you know, you've got to know all those things and have some sort of a strategy and a plan worked out before you walk in the door, or you're going to end up walking out the door going, what just happened? Yeah. You know, and it's, it's about not only preparing your plan and your strategy, but knowing your numbers. And I ha I've had so many clients come in and they said, well, I'm just not a numbers person. Like, that's great. You're going to learn. You will now, now is a good time to start <laughs> because if you don't, you know, yes, I'm not saying you don't need a financial advisor that you don't have someone on your team who's backing you up and feeding you the information and the data and explaining it to you. Of course you do. However, you can't expect somebody else to negotiate your life. They're not going to do it as well as you are. They're just, I mean, they're just not, you have to understand what those numbers are. You don't need to have a finance degree, but you need to understand what your numbers are or you're going to make mistakes. You just are. Yeah. And I mean, I remember, oh my God, the discovery process was so overwhelming for me. And I remember, <laughs> 
I remember when my, my lawyer sent me the list of things that I had to put together. And I literally like fell to the floor crying because I, I was so overwhelmed and perhaps somebody listening right now is going, Oh my God, this sounds awful. This sounds like a lot of work. How do I even know where to find this, let alone like, how do you get the strength to do this? So what would you say to somebody whose mind is like headed into like complete and utter overwhelm? And in my case, like complete shutdown. Baby steps, baby steps count and moving, you know, any movement is better than no movement. It was like, like my father, God rest his soul used to tell me, he said, You can't eat the apple in one bite. (laughs) You're not going to get through your entire divorce and get all those documents at at one time. And you're right. It's horrible. It's really over. It's like doing your income taxes times 10. There's that many documents. It's not a fun process. But if you take that whole list and every day you say, when I come home from work or when, you know, I put the kids to bed or whatever your time is, I'm going to do one thing. And if I can't do that one thing, then I'm going to write down, what do I need to know, do, get, who do I need to talk to, to get that one thing, right? And then you do thing number two, right? you know, and you just, the next night, it's the next thing. And the next night, it's the next thing. And you keep going. The problem is when, when we get overwhelmed, our tendency is to do one of two things. Either we run around like a chicken with our head cutting off, cut off, doing a thousand things that are like pretty useless. You feel busy, but you're not productive. Or you completely shut down and you stop and do nothing because yeah. you're paralyzed because you don't know what that to do. Neither, yeah. Neither one of those helps. So if you feel like you're in overwhelm, get help. A therapist can help you with that. A coach is a great help with that. But get some help. Don't sit in your room, in your bed, with the covers pulled up over your head, expecting something to change because it's not. It's only going to get, the monkey's only going to get bigger on your back. It's only going to get harder to deal with. And if you just take a little bite out of that apple every single day, pretty soon you're going to, like, you're going to be left with the core going, wow, how did how did I get here? How did this happen? Yeah. That's the key. Yeah. And I'll tell you, like I literally sat on that list for six weeks because every time I went to look at it, I got nauseous. I started crying and I just walked away from it. And I could not agree with you more. One of the things I preach now is all about, it's about those baby steps. And I love that you pointed out, like it's even just writing down who you have to, like a step is figuring out who you have to contact to get that information. Right. Yeah. To me, it was, the step was getting it. It was, I didn't even see anything in between that. So I think it's really important that people understand that momentum gets to be broken down into more bite-sized pieces. I never saw that. I didn't get that. I, I saw A to Z and I was like, oh my God, I'm just not going to do anything. Or I wished for my fairy godmother to show up (laughs) to to make it all appear for me, you know, and, and I wasn't blind, but I wasn't as in tune to where things were or who to go to. I was also fearful of, well, you know, I was afraid of what people were going to think of me. If I'm calling and asking for this information, well, 
Are they going to start asking me why, like what's going on? Why mm-hmm. are you asking for this information? Cause I didn't want to get into story either. So, you know, I think what you said is so valuable and so incredibly important and, and something that we don't necessarily allow ourselves to think through that any, any momentum, any step, any motion is moving you one step closer into being, you know, to being done, right? Which is what we yeah. all want at some point, but at and, least it's strategic. Yeah. And while you're doing that, don't judge yourself. People have never done this before. It's like you said, you had no idea there was any, there were steps in between. Of course you didn't. Yeah. Why would you? Like you had no reason to know this stuff. And that's why going back to the whole team approach, getting somebody who does understand what this is about and does know what your options are and can show you those baby steps, that's huge. Yeah. Because then you keep making little baby steps. And the other the other thing is, you know, people don't realize once you take a, a step and then another step, and then another step, and you start getting that momentum, you start feeling stronger. You start becoming more capable of taking a bigger next step, and then a little bit bigger next step. And before you know it, you come out at the end of this process, a better, stronger, more confident human being. Not that there was anything wrong with you to begin with, but you're even like better now. And so that, you know, it's a way of taking a really awful situation and at least getting something good from it. 100%. I say that. I mean, your divorce is the catalyst for power. It really is. And it really pushed me. I knew I was strong. I never knew how, how, I don't like to say more, but I never I never saw where my strength could go, how much exponentially stronger I could become until I went through this. And and I love, I love what you just said. And I, and Karen, I, I love the work that you do. I love just how you talk about it, how grounded you are in it, how real you are. And I'm really, thank you so much for, for sharing your wisdom with our audience today. Is there anything else you want to share before we sign off? And in part of that as well, to let people know how they can get a hold of you. And I also know you have a free gift for our audience today. Yes, I do. I think the parting words that I would leave people with is to remember that you want your divorce to just be a blip in the radar screen of your life. You do not want it to be the defining moment of your life. You are so much more than just a divorce. So, you know, as hard as it is and as awful as it is, and nobody would get married choosing to get divorced, knowing that that's where they're going to go. But if it happens to you, don't blame yourself. Don't, you know, don't bury yourself in more guilt and ugliness. Know that this is, you know, going to take you to a different place, may not be where you wanted, but you will get through it. And there is life afterwards. There really is. 100%. 100% beautiful words. So I love that. It's, it just gets to be a blip, not a defining moment. 
So, Mm -hmm. so true. Karen, how can people find you? You, you are an amazing resource and I know you have great resources as well for people to take advantage of. Yeah. The best place to find me is on my website. It is karencovey.com. That's K-A-R-E-N-C-O-V-Y.com. There is no Ian Covey or I would be related to someone famous and I probably would never have to work for a living. (laughs) Um, So, and the, the free gift I have for your audience is a free divorce toolkit, which goes along with what we've been talking about. It helps you prepare for your divorce. It will give you checklists and you know worksheets and things you can think about. And you can go to karencovey.com slash divorced dash woman's dash guide and pick up the, the free gift whenever you want. Wonderful. Karen, thank you so much for being here today. I truly just so excited that you were able to come and I really loved our conversation. Thank you for sharing today. Oh, you're welcome. And I enjoyed it as well. I hope people get something from it. I know that they will. I know that they will trust me because I I even had a couple of things where I was like, oh, I've never thought about that before. So for all of you guys tuning in, that is my wish for every single episode that I create is that you guys obtain some nugget of information to help you further the momentum of wherever it is that you are in your divorce process. So if you guys have any feedback for today's episode, please feel free to share it with me. I would love to know what was an aha moment or what was something that you had no idea about that now is going to completely shift the trajectory of your process or perhaps a decision that you guys are making. So share it with me, join my Facebook community, the divorce rehab, and you guys can find me on social media at divorce rehab with Wendy across in Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, all the the socials, right? There's so many different platforms now. But regardless, I hope that you guys have a beautiful rest of your day. Sending you all so much love, light, and joy as always. Bye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Divorced Woman's Guide podcast. If you like what you hear, please share this episode with someone you know or spread the word on social media. This is how I reach more divorcees around the world and provide them with the support they need to create their next best life. And I would also love to continue the conversation with you. So please friend me on Facebook, join my private Facebook group, The Divorce Rehab, and follow me on Instagram at Divorce Rehab with Wendy. I'll see you next time.